0: Good morning again. We are going to continue our series study on Way of Wisdom, and we are on, believe it or not, part 23, and we are going to look at honesty and dishonesty this morning. And I'd like to start with a story. I am not sure if the story is true or not, but seeming of the topic that we're talking with, with honesty and dishonesty, and... Also being the start of a school year, the two go together, so here it goes the story. There once were a story told of four high school boys who hit spring fever a little early. Now, I know we're just getting started with school, so spring fever's not allowed to hit yet. But these boys had spring fever hit a little early, and they skipped their morning classes. And when they arrived to school after lunch, they told their teacher that the reason that they were late was because their vehicle had a flat tire. So basically, they lied. The teacher gave her condolences, but then said to the boys, well, you did miss a quiz this morning, and it's really important that we get this quiz taken care of, so I want you to sit down, take out a piece of paper and a pencil, and take this quiz, and we'll get it over with. And the boys settled into their seats. The the teacher then asked question number one, which tire was flat? (laughs) The moral of the story, better to tell the truth than to lie. Or, be sure your sins will find you out. And also, I think it's important that we start with making sure that we are all on a level playing field here this morning. And so I want to ask the question in all seriousness, and I want an honest answer, since it is on honest and dishonesty. Is there anyone here who has never been dishonest in their life? Never stolen... Never lied, never took advantage of somebody, I'll let you put that hand back down. (laughs) And yes, we are on a level playing field, because if there was a person who raised their hand, it would also be very school, elementary school-like maybe to get a bunch of people and come up to you and say, liar, liar, pants on fire, because that would not be the truth. From a study of 2017 on dishonesty, specifically on the topic of lying, there was a survey taken, and it was placed into an article. And the the article was entitled, 25 Nose-Growing Statistics on Lying. So I guess it's the Pinocchio effect, if you will, right? And here are some things that the, the survey Reported, and I think some of you would say, yep, absolutely. Maybe some you'll be shocked with. The average child begins to tell lies at the age of two. Well, they start talking at two. <laughs> there you go. The survey also asked inside of like family relationships and friends, who gets lied to the most? Answer parents. 86% of the time, followed by friends, 75%, siblings, 73%, and spouses, we lie to each other, 69% was that number. Not 69% of the time, but that's numbers numbers that they came. The workplace was not included in the environment, which would have been interesting of how often the employer lies to the employee, and vice versa for you business people, but that's another survey. Uh, it asked where are most lies seen? 40% of lies are seen on resumes. of lies are seen on dating services. (laughs) Anyone go through that dating service and found success? Seriously? No? I am not letting my kids do it. I'm just not going to to do that. So um, this was a shocker to me. It went on to say, when meeting someone new, the average person will lie two to three times in the first 10 minutes of meeting that person. That's shocking to me. Like, I've met some new people today. I promise I did not lie to you today. (laughs) On average, not a shocker, men lie more than women. I don't know if that's a shocker. Are you shocked by that? (laughs) 70% of lying people say they would say the same lies over again. Most people lie an average of four times a day, which adds up to 1,460 lies a year. I absolutely believe this next one because I was in education for a while. Nine out of ten middle schoolers admit to cheating on their homework. Absolutely they do. Students, no one dares. Your parents are too close. Come on. We know these days. <clears throat> Over 15 million Americans are victims to identity fraud every year, costing about $50 billion in damage. Sad. Here's an even sadder survey report. 57% of men and 54% of women admit to infidelity in a past or present relationship. And the survey concludes with this statement, unfortunately, the average person can only spot a lie about 50% of the time. And to borrow a famous quote given to NASA, Houston, we have a problem. And the problem has been around for a long time, and it's a problem that's going to continue to be around a long time. It's not going away, not until Jesus comes and fixes it all. That's a great promise. And then sometimes it gets asked, is it ever right to tell a lie? And if you answer this question by asking another question, is it ever right to break one of God's commandments, then it would seem obvious answer is no. It's not right to tell a lie. And yet, there are several people, even inside of Christian circles, that would have us consider using Scripture itself to say, well, maybe, and I want us to look at that a little bit as we lead into honesty and dishonesty. Here's one, Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 1. The Egyptian pharaoh, he is on the idea that Israel is going to rise up and be a threat to him, even though they are in slavery. So he comes up with the idea of we are going to kill all the baby boys that are born. And he said to the midwives in verse 16, when when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. I'm sure they do that. And if the child is a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, she may live. But verse 17 says, the Hebrew midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them, and they let the boys live. And then when the king of Egypt asked them in verse 18, why are you doing this? They answered in verse 19, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before a midwife can get to them. Now, perhaps this text should be read exactly as it says, and that's exactly what happened, that these Hebrew women were just that vigorous when it came to childbirth, and they couldn't get there in time. But it certainly seems more realistic that this is a lie. And verse 17 is clear that they do not obey Pharaoh's command, which was the right thing to do. You never obey a command that says, kill a baby. So they were right in doing that because this command was completely contrary to God's will, God's law. We know that. But when asked about it, they led Pharaoh to believe a lie, that the midwives were doing their best to obey them, but they just couldn't get there in time because the boys were already delivered. And verse 17 tells us the motive behind the, the reason for doing this was a genuine fear of God. And then you come to verses 20 and 21, where it says, So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Which then, you know, in the rest of the story, led to Pharaoh having plan B and throwing the babies into the Nile River. So I am saying, Scripture is clearly against lying. And even here in verses 20 and 21, it says that God was good to the midwives, not because of their lying, but because of their fear of God. So somehow it seems in their eyes, killing the baby boys and facing God's judgment was a far greater judgment than lying to the king and still standing before God. I don't know. And then there's the story about Rahab, famously known as Rahab the harlot, the prostitute hiding the two israelite spies in joshua chapter 2 it says that she was hiding these spies the king of jericho found out about it sends word to her saying hey we need these guys they're not good guys hand them over to us and then she responds in verse 4 but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them so she said yes the men did come to me but i don't know where they are i didn't know where they were from lie at nightfall, when the gate was about to close, the men went out. I don't know where they are going. Lie. Chase after them quickly, and you can catch up with them. Lie. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax that she had arranged on the roof. This is one flat, big, old lie. Then the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about how she believed the God of Israel and how she pleaded for the deliverance of her family when Jericho would be attacked. And then when you flip to the end of the Bible, Hebrews 11.31 tells her outcome. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, received the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. Here again, there is no mention of God approving of her lies but he does approve of her faith and then what do you do when you consider people like Corey ten Boone who was protecting the Jews from the Nazis in World War II and other people like her all throughout history living lies consisted of lying to protect human lives from evil people so is it ever right to lie I would answer no. And yet, I would also acknowledge that it is possible to fear God like the Hebrew midwives or to have a faith like Rahab or to have extreme life-threatening situations like Corrie ten Boom and others who countered evil by lying while also saying at the same exact time in situations like these, God never recommends or commends the lying. And I think. To bring this to 2021, we also must mention on this question is it ever right to lie? The examples that we've just shared and listened to here are nowhere close to our normal lives. Anyone in an extreme situation like the midwives? Anyone have a situation like Rahab's going on and Corey Tinboon life going on at your house? No, absolutely not. When we lie, it is flat out sin. It is selfish, self-centered sin. And so what I want us to look at in the book of Proverbs, it definitely makes a crystal clear picture that God adores honesty and he detests dishonesty. And the word will speak for itself. So let's do that. The book of Proverbs identifies two main ways of dishonesty. Number one way, dishonest acts, like stealing, cheating, infidelity. And number two way, dishonest speech, dishonest words, mostly lying. Let me show you from the book of Proverbs. I'm going to deal with six verses on dishonest acts and then four verses on dishonest speech. Proverbs 11.1. 1. Dishonest scales are detestable to the Lord. But an accurate weight is his delight. Proverbs 20:10. Differing weights and varying measures, both are detestable to the Lord. Proverbs 20:23. 20, Differing weights are detestable to the Lord, and dishonest scales are unfair. Proverbs 16:11. Honest balances and scales are the Lord's, all the weights in the bag are his concern. Does that not look like four verses that are almost identical? The point. The writer is referring to an ancient practice among unscrupulous merchants. I mean, think of really, really, really greedy businessmen, and that's the picture that we're getting right here. If you wanted to purchase, let's say, five pounds of sugar, The merchant would take out of his bag and put on one side of the scale a five-pound stone, a supposedly five-pound stone, and then he would fill up the other side with five pounds of sugar. And it was even, you had your deal, you got what you paid for. But a lot of times these merchants, they would put a four-pound stone on the scale and no one would know it. it. It said five, but it was really only four. So in other words, the person purchasing the sugar got ripped off cheated dishonest act and there were times where this scenario would be flipped maybe the purchaser was the one who had his bag of rocks oh i got my rocks i'll put it on the scale and he put a four pounder on the scale excuse me he put a six pounder on the scale that seems right do my math up here i'm like wait a minute that's not right four six got me put a six pounder on the scale And then when he would get the sugar going, 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 he wouldn't get five pounds of sugar. He'd get six pounds of sugar. He'd get an extra. So now he's ripped off the merchant. In either case, such deceitfulness is detestable to the Lord. This is not shrewd bargaining. Some of you who are really good shoppers and really want to work the system. This is not that. This is dishonest. And we cannot just simply rationalize this by saying, well, everyone's doing it so it makes it okay. It's strong language. It's detestable to the Lord. That leaves a taste in your mouth. Detestable. God is concerned with the little things in our life like a pound of sugar just as he is with the big things in our life. And it is stunning, stunning to think that God views everything that we do as either an abomination or a delight to Him. Every act goes on the scale, one side or the other. I was thinking about the scales, and we don't use those too much anymore, but we do have these great stores, these candy stores in like Savannah or St. Augustine. They're all candy stores. You see them? You walk into them. It's not like they do have some individual pack stuff, but most of them are like containers that are huge, and these big bags. And my kids are like, oh, yes, this is going to be good. And you fill it all up in there, and you put it all in there. You can't fill up one of those bags and then stand in the checkout line waiting to put it on scale, eating half of the bag, and then putting it on the scale and say, all right, I'm ready to pay. That's stealing. It's like a little thing, it's stealing. Or here's another scenario: you went to the store or a restaurant, and they did not charge you for something that they should have charged you for. And you know it. We cannot just, as Christians, we cannot just say, oh well, their loss is my gain. We fix that. If you don't, it is dishonest and it is detestable to the Lord. I have a friend, I use the word friend, it's a casual friend. He, he actually told me that if a store fails to charge him for something, he is not going to go and correct it because the store actually takes into consideration these oversights when they make their budget, so they plan for it. And I said, man, that is wrong. That is wrong to think that. This very same friend... It's the same guy who's going to look for a free appetizer in a restaurant or 15% off the bill because he looks for a little minor detail and brings it to the manager's attention. I need an appetizer out of this. If we have that kind of mindset, that is dishonest. And it certainly doesn't show the light of Jesus to a manager or a waiter or people around you. The Lord knows our weights in our bag. He knows our motives. And we must ask ourselves, do we regard not just flat-out embezzlement, do we regard minor dishonesty in business practices, regular shopping, maybe taxes, whatever, do we regard it as, oh, it's just part of the game, everyone plays? Or do we regard it like God regards it? Detestable to me. I would encourage all of us to take an inventory of our actions, put them on the honest balances and the scales of the Lord, and how do they come out? Live that way with God. God, examine my motives and my hearts. Help me to be honest in even the minor things of life. Proverbs 17, 15. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the just, both are detestable to the Lord because both are acts of dishonesty. People don't let guilty people go free and people don't let the innocent be punished. This verse has a courtroom feel to it. you got a jury and lawyers, you got the legal system, all doing their thing. It's intended to do a thing that's good, but when it's not done right, it's detestable to God. It's not just a jury room, courtroom verse, though. This verse is good for home. This verse is good for work. It's good for everywhere we go. Proverbs 19:22 What is desirable in a man is his fidelity. Do you know what the word fidelity means? It means faithfulness to a person, cause, or belief, demonstrating unwavering loyal and support. In marriage, it's sexual faithfulness. What is desirable in a man is his fidelity. Better to be a poor man than a liar. This verse is not just for men. This is that man generic human word. Every person is supposed to live a life of fidelity. And it's not just a verse on marriage. But it it certainly includes marriages. And if you remember, according to the survey from earlier, how sad over half of Americans... 57% of men, 54% of women admit to infidelity. It's no wonder marriages are in dire straits. We treat marriage covenant words so casually, so carelessly, make wedding vows, we look him or her in the eye. Saying, "I will love, honor, cherish, until death do us part." And then the next thing you know, a little bored. Run into a difficulty. Someone gets sick. And then we oft to find someone else and our words just fly by. What is desirable in a man is his fidelity. And i would say to all the married couples here if you don't know that you are in a fight for your life in your marriage you are be aware of that and i would say use verses like this to be your ammunition to memorize and to plot and to apply every day in your life and for those of you who would like to be married someday Start building that battleground now on verses like this. Live with fidelity. And oh, church, live a life of fidelity so that people would see our good works and want to know why do we do the things that we do and then we can point them to Jesus and say, he's the reason that we do it. The calling is high. And by the strength of His Spirit, we can live this way. Proverbs 17, 7. words are not appropriate on fool's lips. How much worse are lies for a ruler. Well, let's talk politicians for a few seconds. <laughs> we don't usually use the word ruler. We use the word politicians. But I think that we're at this point where we've come to expect so little truth when it comes to politicians. Like we do not trust them. I think we can all agree, no matter who or how we voted, that when a politician says something, we think, eh, I don't really trust that. And maybe I'm overly cynical. I am getting older. But it's how I think more often than not. When they have a debate, I often think, I don't believe most of that. And then they have fact-checkers to check their facts. But the fact-checkers have fact-checkers to check their facts because their facts aren't factual. (laughs) And then we've got bloggers who check the fact-checkers who check the fact-checkers, and we don't believe not a one of them. Right? It is a sad day today that we have this true Proverbs coming to light right in our own generation here, that it is a horrible thing for a politician to be a liar. Oh, that Christian men and women would rise up and fill these roles and do it to the glory of God. And oh, that we would be Christian people who would pray even for the unsaved politicians that God would grip their heart and they, they would repent and come to stop this kind of living because this It is dishonest to lie, and it is detestable to God. Proverbs 14, 25. A truthful witness rescues lives, but one who utters lies is deceitful. Witnesses were everything in the ancient world. They're important today, but we also have audio recordings, videos, fingerprints, DNA, forensic science, and all that neat stuff that goes on when they find these detective shows and they solve the crime. They didn't have all of that when this verse was written. They only had eyewitnesses. And if someone stood up and testified against you, accusing you of something, and a second person stood up and said the same thing, your whole life could be in a whole bunch of trouble. And that's the point of this verse. For us, for all people, to be truthful witness. And when we do, it is as if we are rescuing the lives of people. Point be honest with your words. Be honest with your words about other people. I had a conversation this morning with two people, unrelated at different times, and both came to the same conclusion that in middle school, kids are the worst because they're not honest. They're little vicious people. Sorry, middle schoolers. I, I spent 20 years with you, so I say that in love. Um, But there's a reason people want to be high school teachers since never mind Uh, Proverbs 26 18 and 19 Like a madman Who throws flaming darts Getting this now, right? Put this in your head like a madman throwing Flaming darts and deadly arrows, so is the man who deceives his neighbor and then says, I was only joking. Ooh, that's right, ooh. It's quite the mental picture. This is the person who does a dishonest act, does, says a uh, dishonest thing, and then gets caught and says, kidding, I was just kidding. Can't you take a joke? Back to middle school no it's not it's us adults we do this as well and the reality is it is no joke to god when he calls it plain what it is he says it is detestable to me i hate it don't act this way some of us are compulsive exaggerators guilty And it may seem like a little thing. But when we really break it down to the nitty-gritty, this falls into the category that God is concerned about our exaggerations. So no, no, no matter how big you say the fish was, or how grand your job was and they gave you this big bonus, or you went out on this experience and it was all this, we tend to exaggerate the truth. And there's a question to ask. Are you someone who can be trusted to represent yourself accurately in even the smallest details of your life? That's a question that I drew for myself as I was studying this week. Be honest love what god loves and hate what god hates don't be dishonest and one last one proverbs 19:9 9, a false witness will not go unpunished and one who utters lies perishes there is this kind of connection between the practice of dishonesty and the condition of a person's heart that causes biblical writers to write stuff like this, that says this practice of lying in our everyday, ordinary lives, when people do that, it's like they are outside the scope of salvation. Boy, that's that's a serious claim. And yet that's the way the writers of the Bible talk over and over again. And when they talk that way, I say, we should really pay attention to this. If you have ever broken command number eight or command number nine of the Ten Commandments, this is a serious offense. We have fallen short of God's standard. Do you know what command eight and nine are of the ten? Exodus chapter 20, verses 15 and 16. Number eight, do not steal. You've already admitted you're guilty of that. And as am I. Command number nine, do not give false testimony against your neighbor. That's a dishonest word or a lie. And so it makes us ask the question, well, where do lies come from anyway? Why do I do this? Why do I struggle with lying? Ephesians 4 tells us, verse 22 uses some unique words, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt. Through deceitful desires. And then, verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, that's lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Paul is writing to a group of people here in Ephesians, probably a fairly new bunch of Christians, and his instructions are put off the old self. Put away falsehood. That's the former life. That's the way you used to live. But now that you're in Christ, there's a new way of living. And it's not deceitful desires. It should be honest desires. And it should not be falsehood, but it should be speak the truth. So where does lying come from? It comes from our old man. That spiritually dead person inside of us that we have going on in other words the reason we lie is because we have desires that we shouldn't have and the reasons that we have them is because we are deceived about what is truly desirable because that old man in us it is still kicking it is a war going on inside your body and in your mind and in your hands and in your feet and all of your actions and it is on the spiritual man and the spiritually dead man they are at war one with another And when we lie, it's because we believed the deceitful desires, the stuff not from God. And we have got to crush that guy. And it ain't easy. And that's why the Holy Spirit is such a sweet gift from Jesus he makes it possible to do what we cannot do. I think if we boil it all down, the deceptive desires that lead people to be dishonest can be summed up in three categories. People lie because of pride, people lie because of fear, and people lie because of greed. There might be more categories, but I think these three catch a lot of the lies. People lie because they might lose their reputation or their high status That's lying because of fear and pride. People lie to avoid consequences for their actions. Oh, I know that all too well growing up as a boy. I did not want what was coming from my daddy. And I would lie. I lied because of fear and pride. People lie to get stuff and more stuff. That's lying because of greed all throughout Scripture. We could look at ginormous sections of Scripture that talk about people lying and being dishonest. I just want to give you two as we end this sermon. So Matthew 21, 23 through 27. First, we're going to see lying because of pride and fear. The authority of Jesus is being challenged by the chief priests and the elders. And then in verse 23, when he entered the temple complex, that's Jesus, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching, and they said, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the authority? Before he answered them, he gives them a test question to see if they're really interested in the truth or not, or if they're really only interested in justifying themselves. And always trying to trip Jesus up. So Jesus asked in verse 25, where did John's baptism come from? From heaven or from men? And now we get to watch a lie in a making. We get to see the deceptive desires go, that go into making a lie. Verse 25, 27. They began to argue among themselves, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, we're afraid of what the crowd because everyone thought John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus the way we commonly answer when we don't really want to say the truth. I don't know. Lie. The chief priest and the elders, they failed the test. They proved that they're really not interested in the truth. They're interested in their personal reputations. They're interested in their personal safety They feared the embarrassment and the humility of losing the esteem of the people. They wanted the people to think, oh, that's chief priest so-and-so. They feared being called out for being wrong. Now, I simply just ask us today in 2021, do we act in the same way? It's possible, real possible. Pride is a reason that people lie and they do it because of deceived desires. They were afraid of getting killed, stoned to death. See it in verse 26? They can't answer that John baptism is from men because the multitudes believe that John was a prophet and so the people might get mad and stone them. I once heard somebody say it this way, they did not want to get rocked to sleep. I don't know if that's applicable. Fear is a common reason why we lie, because of the deceptive desires. And people lie for greed, especially money. There's an example of this in Ananias and Sapphira they sold a piece of property and they gave the money to the apostles and they kept some of the profits for themselves which would have been totally okay to do it was their property and their money except they presented it in a way of saying here apostles here's all the money when really they had a good bag for themselves apparently i just let me read it to you straight from acts chapter 5 1 through 11 a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back a portion, a part of the portion of, with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds from the field? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it yours for your disposal?" Why is it then that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. There was an interval of about three hours. Then his wife came in, not knowing what happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the field for this price? Yes, she replied, for that price. Then Peter said to her, Why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church. I bet it did. (laughs) And all who heard these things, And in my Bible, right next to that verse, I just have written out wow, with an exclamation point. Could you imagine if God chose to operate like that today? Peter asked Ananias, how did Satan get you to lie? How did he deceive you into thinking that it is more blessed to keep than to give? How did he do that, Ananias? Ananias? And based on Ephesians 4, the answer is because the deceitful desires of the old man were alive and kicking. And that is so true for us. We are no greater than Ananias. There's a lot more examples that we can mention. But I think that from just these two examples, we can see clearly that Ananias, Sapphira, the chief priest, God clearly hates dishonesty and the reality is that every one of us have been dishonest and instead of lying about it or trying to justify it oh we need to come clean with it first john 1 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness That is our only hope. And so I would say today in this room of every person who's listening to me, if you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're not saved, if you you don't follow Jesus as your boss and Lord, today the Scripture's teaching would be for you to repent of your sin and believe in Him, to trust Him, to be your only hope. For this life and eternity to come. And if you're a person who's today here and you say, Yes, I am a child of the King, I walk with Jesus, I have a relationship with Jesus, then our advice would be from Scripture today is that if we are guilty <clears throat> of being dishonest with our actions or our words, that uh, we would repent of that sin. And hallelujah, we are promised to be forgiven. Let's pray. <clears throat> when we hear words like this, the Scripture shows time and time again that If God is moving in your heart, that the time to act on it is now. Yes, it's true that as long as you have breath and you're living, that there is time to do repenting of sins. But the teaching of the Bible over and over again is hear the word of God and repent. And I just know that as I studied this week that this was a very good sharpening lesson. Reminder for me. God showed me little things in life that he would call detestable. And so you have to remove it. Oh, Father. We are needy. We need your grace, your mercy. We need you to reveal yourself in spirit and truth. And when you do, Lord, do the miracle in us. Change us. And Lord, I'd ask just now then that our prayer be, Holy Spirit, do what is necessary, that you would have your Holy Spirit do what is necessary for our lives, each and every one of us. Change us according to your will. Father, I'd ask that we would be a community that would dare to get involved with someone else's life. That we would go into accountability with another person or a group. Lord, make us be able to trust others even in our vulnerability. Let others see the weights in our bags. And Lord, it's such a sweet thing when we act this way with one another, when we come along and encourage one another and pray for one another. Lord, I ask that the community here at Good News and and the church universal would live in this kind of a way in a way that is a delight to you. And that it would be a great reflection of your greatness. And that others that we live around and do life lift would ask us, why do we do the things that we do? And we'd be able to say, it's because of you. So let us die to self and live in the power, wisdom, and strength of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.